today we're talking about continuing kindness. How many have experienced the kindness of God in your life? How many can think of ways, hopefully even nearby, close, in your recent life, that you've experienced the kindness of God? And when we have experienced that kindness, when we have and understand even all that God's done for us, and we've sang about the blood, understanding that sacrifice, we should have a joy. Amen? Amen? Amen. Our text today is found in Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read the first part, starting at verse 17, and then you can read the next part. I think it starts at 21. Let me read the first part. There we go. If some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. And if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Thank you. (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, God, for the opportunity we have, the freedom we have to gather together, to worship, to praise you, And God, to look at your word together. So speak to us. Encourage us. Accomplish your will, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Often when I think of kindness, I remember a couple of lessons I learned. Uh, About four years ago, I I was in Calcutta, India. Now, India is an incredible country and one that I had wanted to go to uh, since I was a teenager. And so I had an opportunity to go uh, on a, a trip with some, another group from another church, and we were in Calcutta. Um, one of the things that we did is we went to a train station. There's two main train stations, huge, and the trains are used by just thousands upon thousands of people. But one of the stories is about people who live around the train stations, on the sidings, on the... Um, back buildings of the train station. Uh, I remember as a young person seeing a show about the boys of the train station in Calcutta. But it isn't just boys. There's whole families. Children, seniors, and everyone in between. And that's where they find themselves living, and it's like families just continue to live in that area. Um, We went to visit one group that this uh, missionary had been working with, and it was just incredible where they lived. And um, it was hard to believe. And, uh, 
But the other side of that is that the missionary had built and set up a, a children's home out of the city that they were able to get some of the children and take them out to this home and feed them, clothe them, and even educate them. It was a process to do that. There are a lot of regulations and laws, and again, to protect children, so that's good. But there were still so many that were left behind. It really was incredible to talk to the missionary about him choosing what kids could go and what, who couldn't. Also in the city, I, all around, they ha- well, here we have a lot of coffee shops. There they, ha- they have, um, they, it's called Masella Chai, that's what I was told. and It's like a sweet, milky tea. I don't like sugar in my tea, so I thought I wouldn't bother, but the missionary encouraged me, so I tried it, and it was incredible. It was great. And you could get it in these little stalls, you could get it in these little buildings all over the city, and they serve it in clay cups. Well, as I was finishing my cup and the missionary had finished his, he took his cup and he just threw it on the ground. And then all of a sudden I noticed that the ground is covered in all of these broken clay cups. Well, I'm thinking, that's kind of neat. So I didn't throw mine out. And actually while I was there, I collected a few and I brought them home. Leanne, of course, is thrilled that I wanted to put them in the living room. But (laughs) we agreed that that wouldn't be the right place. (laughs) (laughs) But I I just thought that's really neat. Different shapes, different sizes. What was thrown away and considered garbage, I saw something unique and neat. Our story today, when we look at it, there's the whole idea of the context of of the, the story of the wild olive branches being grafted in to the olive tree, replacing branches that have been broken off. Now, here again, there's a real story between Jews and Gentiles, the conflict between them, but even within the church, Christian Jews and Christian Gentiles, and some of the conflict that had been going on, and some of it is now even looking at at the, the Gentiles who became Christians, kind of looking at themselves as being better or replacing the Jewish people. There's a real lesson here and a warning against any type of pride, and I think we need to recognize that. It talks about the kingdom of God, but also talks about the severity of God, Um, and that those things are both together in God. God is a God of love. Amen? None of us would be here today if it wasn't for his love, his mercy, his grace. But God is also holy and just, and he is a judge, and that day will come. And I think the scripture tells us to keep that balance in place so that how we live, we live in and according to his kindness and live in that relationship with him. But when you look at the story of the wild branches being grafted in, why did the farmer, why did the gardener graft them in? Why did he pick that branch over another wild branch and graft them in? Not a lot is is told about that. Did he see something of value in one branch over another? Did he simply just choose randomly? Did he see something that that branch could be when it was cultivated and farmed. When we look at it and applying to our life and looking at it as an act of kindness by God when he grafts us in to the olive tree, his relationship with him through Christ, let's not forget the cost of what it meant that we could be grafted in and always have an attitude of thanksgiving for what he has done for us. May we never May we never get so used to our relationship with God that we forget 
what it cost him. But did he see something of value in us that he, he chose you? I think the danger here is to be thinking that we have the value. And pride could, again, stem up within our hearts. Paul says this in Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Was it God just choosing? Choosing one over the other. God, a sovereign Lord, can do that. And that he picked one. He chose one. He chose me. He chose you. Chose you. And you. And you. He picked you. And of all the others, he chose you. He revealed himself to you. To you. It still amazes me to this day the grace and mercy of God that I've experienced in my life. I have glimpses of where I would be if it wasn't for the grace of God. And so I am forever thankful that he looked down and he called me to himself. Ephesians again says this in chapter 1, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Did he see something in you or did he simply just see what we could be in him? That he looked down and he saw you and he wanted that relationship with you. Paul says, or Peter says this in 1 Peter 2, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Each one of us have our own story of how God revealed himself to us and how we came to him. Each of us have our own story to share with those around us. Each of us are, are in a unique place, are set up in a, in a home, in a family, in a neighborhood, uh, at work, at school. We have people around us that you might be the only one with this story of God's kindness and love. God has called and revealed himself to us for a purpose, and set us in a place that we might give him glory by sharing the story, by living the story of his kindness. Now, we might get some strange looks if we dance around like that little girl. I just loved her feet, right? But there is something about living each day, no matter what the weather's like, no matter what goes on in the day, living it, knowing that you are living in the kindness of God so that people can see that. We can be real and go through difficulties, but we still have that peace of his love and kindness in our hearts. The farmer, what does he expect from the branches? Well, that they grow, they be healthy, that they mature, that they grow fruit, but they also grow good fruit. He expects that. 
that they conform to the new tree, to the, to the instead of being wild branches, they're now a cultivated, part of a, a tree, part of a farm, part of a garden that he has established, that they fit in to what he has called them to be. The branch's responsibility is to, well, to accept, to acclimate themselves to this new tree. We're taken from the old and brought into the new. We need to live now according to that new nature. Be nourished by that tree that gives us life. We have to respond to it and not be wild anymore, but to respond to what we have been called and chosen and grafted into and to produce We're being nourished by that tree, by the roots. We are called to produce for his glory and for his honor. John chapter 15 says this, For I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. There's a real connection between our understanding of of being grafted in and continuing in that, and this text on abiding. It's about connecting and staying connected. The children's home in India, when you walk around, all I could think of is how I wish I could have helped them all. But the children that were chosen and taken to the children's home, they had to learn to live in a house. They had to learn to sleep in a bed, to, to eat proper meals at proper times, to wash. They had to learn the new rules of living in a house as opposed to the wild freedom of some of the back train tracks of the train station. Some of them even had chores to do, responsibilities like a, like a family. Children also had to learn. They went to school. They learned to read and to do math. They had homework. They had to learn to listen to the instructions and a teacher. It was a complete change in so many ways from the life they lived before. But they needed to conform to this new pattern so that they could continue and, and hopefully have a better life yeah. with an education and a job. Continuing his kindness, two main thoughts that come to my mind. The kindness. 
that we become the children of God, grafted into his body because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And again, the price that was paid to save us. Ephesians talks about that, Paul, in Ephesians 2. And now, and you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The kindness of God, reaching down and choosing us, calling us, revealing himself to us. The missionary told me a story in the children's home. There was one young man that stood out from all the others because he was obviously much older. They didn't know how old he was. They assumed at that point he was in his early 20s, but no records of birth or parents. He was living at the train station in and around its siding. He was handicapped on the waist down. His legs would just kind of dangle, and he walked on homemade crutches. As the missionary had built the house and then was working with choosing kids to go to the home, working with parents and the government, this young man was all alone. He worked or lived with a community, but he was on his own. He begged the missionary to take him. He begged him to not leave him at the train station. The missionary was funded by the children being sponsored through the POC Children's Child Care. He was too old. He was too old to go to school. He did not meet the requirements. But the missionary couldn't leave him there. What touched my heart and stirred me is I don't think I've ever had to beg anyone like that. In my life, I've never had to beg. And so the missionary took him, kind of keeping him under the radar, the reports, feeding him and caring for him just with whatever was in the house. And he had a much better life. It could be very dangerous for him in and around the tracks in the station. And the missionary gave him a much better life. In that, that stirred me incredibly about the kindness of God. Sometimes the danger is we think, you know, we're pretty good. You know, we're clean. You know, we look nice. You look okay. <laughs> but yet compared to God, 
Our clothes are but filthy rags. Our, our works, our, what we try to do on our own is nothing compared to him. And yet he and his love and mercy reaches down. And even while we were still sinners, he loved us. He loved us enough to come and then to suffer and die on the cross that we might be his sons and daughters, that we might be grafted in and have a new life and a hope for eternity. Can you not thank God for his kindness and mercy and grace? He is good. Amen? He is a good, good father. Many scriptures talk in Thessalonians, we talks about God choosing us. Jesus says in John 15 that you did not choose me, but I chose you. In John 6, he says, no one come, can come unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come to Christ unless God by his Spirit draws us, choosing us, calling us, revealing himself to us. Wherever you were when you realized that you needed Christ, even as a child or a youth or an adult. I just heard recently of even some seniors in my own ministry, I've seen them in the 80s, receiving Christ. It's fantastic news. Amen? The kindness of God that we enjoy is because God chose to be kind. Our response is to draw near to him. Our response is to to live in that kindness and to continue to grow and mature in that kindness. And that's the next part is to continue in. Continue means to, it's referring about being grafted in, and then we need to continue in that. It means to remain, to last, to endure. Um, The Greek word here, even there's the idea figuratively of, of persevering. And sometimes of being grafted in, it's hard, it's different, and it, it causes some change, it causes some difficulties within our life. But if the story in John 15 talks to us again today, it's the gardener still prunes us. He grafts us in, and then we still need to be pruned and changed a little bit. But we, our job, is to continue in the kindness that God has given to us to continue to grow and to mature, to glorify him. That becomes our goal. Not just to live our own life like we did in the wild, but now to live for the one who we are grafted into and to become one with him as his children. Jesus told a parable about prayer in Luke 18 and that they should always pray and not give up. Paul says in Galatians 6, uh, 3, 6, 9, And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Revelation, there's some stories here. In Revelation 2, 7, it talks about to him who overcomes. That idea of, over, uh, that idea of conquers is to overcome, to persevere. And it says, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. In Revelation 2.11, again, to the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. And in Revelation 2.17, we read, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna that that I give him, a white stone, 
with a new name written on the stone that no one except the one who receives it knows. The idea of continue is to grow and to mature, to develop, to be what the gardener, the one who picked us, calls us to be. In preparing this message over the last few weeks, some ideas of things that hinder that growth and that maturity came to mind. This is where pastor would probably say, buckle up. There's some things that God put on my heart, and I believe God put them in there by his spirit to share today. Things that sometimes hold us back, hinder us from continuing and being what he has called us to be in him. First one is, I I called it being stuck in the mud, stuck in a hole. Something happens in the past. Maybe a hurt, a disappointment. Maybe it was an action or word. Something did happen to us that we just feel stuck in. That we can't move beyond it. We can't forget about it. We can't forgive. Life moves on. But we bring this this hole with us as we go through life. And it hinders, it prevents us from continuing on and experiencing the life that we have been called to live in and through Jesus Christ. I don't belittle what happens to people. I don't. I don't belittle hurts. I've been hurt. I understand that. But I'm not going to belittle the God who called me to live beyond those and who can give me a healing and can give me a life beyond the hole that happened back there. He's called us for a purpose. Amen? Amen. And we need to live beyond what has happened in the past and experience God has forgiven us. We need to let that go in the past and live the life that he's called us to live. Forgiveness is clear in Scripture, and there's some powerful Scriptures. Matthew 6, Jesus says that if, if we don't forgive, we can't be forgiven. Now, I'm not making little of people's hurts. But I'm also not going to belittle the power of God to get us through them, over them, and past them. Amen? Don't live in the past. Don't drag the hurts, the mud, the hole that happened sometimes years ago. Don't drag it into your present life or into the future. God has something more for you. It's hindering you. It's holding you back from being and experiencing all that God wants you to know and to be in him. Let it go. Give it to him. God knows hurts. But God isn't stuck in the hurt. He's moving on through his kindness and his grace. He can help us move on as well. The next one, the rear view mirror, that whole focus of looking back. Sometimes we look back at good things and uh, we still feel tied to them or we like them so much we just seem so focused that the rearview mirror, and I think Pastor talked about this a while ago, I think it's become so big that we see more behind us than we see what's ahead of us. But focusing on the past more than where we are and where we're going is a hindrance to growth. And it can keep us tied back so that we can't move very far and beyond. 
Good things in the past are great. I love the mountaintop experiences that I've experienced. But just like the disciples, they couldn't stay on the mountain. When Jesus transformed before them, they weren't called to stay there no matter how much they would have wanted to. Moses had great mountaintops experiences, but he wasn't meant to stay on the mountaintop. He was meant to go back down and to do what God had called him to do. I know there's great things back there. But I'll tell you, God is not done with today and in the future. Amen? And we need, that wasn't very strong. Amen? I just believe that God is still doing things and still wants to do things, but being tied to the back, being so focused to the back, what was behind us, hinders us from doing now, being now, and moving ahead together. God is doing great things, and we need to do it together. Allow his spirit to so unite us that we are a body that sees the move of God today and into the future. For whatever he's got, he's got great things in store because he is a great God. Amen? Lastly, there's a scripture there from Exodus where the nation of Israel, looking at the past, where two months after being delivered, they were hungry. And in Exodus 16, they grumbled and complained because they would rather have gone back to slavery where there was a pot of stew and a loaf of bread than to be where God was taking them. And that's the danger of being focused and tied back. The last thing here is the attitude of I'm just fine where I am. That place of just being content where I am and comfortable and easy. God didn't call us to be comfortable. He didn't call us just to be a life of ease. He promised us his joy and love. I'm going to invite Bill to come up. He's called us to do something for him, to move ahead into the future, to move into what he has got for us. Sometimes that's going to be filled with great joy and seem easy. Sometimes the roads are hard and difficult, but that's part of serving God. Sometimes it's in the hardest roads, those hardest times, that we can experience God like we would never have experienced him unless we walked through that road. Can anyone say amen? God is there in the good times. But he is is just as much there through the hard times and the difficulties. And I don't belittle what people are walking through even now. But I am not going to belittle the God who can walk with us and walks with us if we would but turn our eyes to him and know that he walks with us and that he will, if we seek him, will reveal himself to us that we would never have experienced this unless we went through those valleys, those difficulties, and those challenges. I believe that's seen in the word of God, and I believe it's still seen in lives today if we will draw near to him. So God's chosen us, and he's chosen us in his kindness to continue and to remain in his kindness. How can we do that? I could give you a list of scriptures to memorize and Bible reading and church attendance, of course, but I think there's something even more that we need if we're going to, and even to remain in him even more, and that's a heart and a desire for him.
a hunger, a thirst. Scripture says that we're to love the Lord. Amen? How are we to love the Lord? With all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. God's calling us. In his kindness, he's called us. But he's calling us to draw near to him like never before. To love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Think of your life. Think of maybe a hobby, something that you really enjoy. And if you really like something, you'll spend time doing that activity. When you're not doing that activity, you you might think about doing that activity. You might even be willing to spend money so that you can do that hobby, whatever it is, that you're just caught up in it. And that's great. That's good. I just believe that because of all that Christ has done for us, he deserves that same type of passion and love. Because we can coast and maybe even coast into eternity. But I don't believe that that's why he called us and chose us. He wants us to be used for his glory and for his honor. In church, there are people around you that he's calling. There are people that you are already in contact with that he is by his spirit moving, whether you know it or not. And he wants to use you and me to share with them the kindness and the goodness of God. Amen?